Sirius XM, The Message, Sunday Praise. And he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and a
Shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming at you. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming at me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no
everyone. Before uh, Brother Jimmy comes to... On St. Patrick's Day, that's March the 17th on a Friday at 5 o'clock. It will be a covered dish meal. The church will provide meat and bread and drinks. And uh, if you will please bring a notice now what I'm saying. If you will please bring a large side dish. <laughs> Don't bring them little bowls about like that. Bring a large because we expect to have somewhere close to 40 people. So if you will do that. And um, if you will bring a dessert, please see uh, Sister Phyllis Pope or Glenda Parks because we have a limited amount there, five or six desserts, and, and once you give your name, then they will can keep account of that. And we look forward to seeing all of you that are of our seniors group on uh, March 17th. Of course, we look forward to seeing you before then, but uh, March 17th, Friday. Put it in your calendars, if you will. And uh, that is St. Patrick's Day, so you are expected to wear what? Green. Green. All right. God bless you, brother. Good morning. Stand with me if you will. It's good to be in church with you today to know that we serve a risen Savior that's alive and well and interceding for you and I every day of the week. It's good to know. Let's sing the hymn Standing on the Promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing On the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Thank 
hearts of God today, and I pray that the Lord has blessed you this week. You look like you've been blessed, amen? You look good today, even though it's raining outside and all that stuff, you still look good. You still look like you're ready to worship. You ready to worship today? Amen, amen. Well, we have a few announcements for you. Brother Barry Simpson from our foundation is going to be here on March the 12th. Some of you have been asking about this. We did this a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, and it's for um, a trust in your family, trust fund thing in your family. So uh, he's going to be explaining that to you, and it is actually through our national, but it is a really good thing. Uh, so I want you to be here for that. We will put some things up on the board so you can read and get more familiar with it. But uh, Brother Barry will be here on the 12th. He will do that on a Sunday night. So I'll be preaching on Sunday morning, but he will do that on a Sunday night. So we would like for you to be here. Make sure you make plans for that. Some of you say, well, I missed it last time, and I really want to understand it more. Well, they're coming to help you understand that. So uh, that will be on the 12th of March. Don't forget that. Also on the 12th of March, we will be having breakfast over in the fellowship hall. And that will start about 9 o'clock. Is that right, Stacy? 9 o'clock. And uh, that you don't want to miss that. That's, that's a good thing. Now, you can't come in here after eat breakfast and go to sleep on me. Amen. But, yeah, the preaching's got to be good that day. So, anyway, make sure that you uh, come the 12th for our um, breakfast in the fellowship hall. Now, the schedule is out well, not out yet. It's done for the singing, and so it'll be ready on Wednesday night. So if you would, if you uh, sing specials, all you got to do is go back there and take a picture of that, and uh, you'll have it, and you won't have to ask me or TJ. You'll know uh, when you're going to sing, so that'll be out on Wednesday night. Uh, that is all the announcements I have today. We're going to get right into worship and thank of the Lord for what he's done for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless us today. Father, we love you. You're so good to us. And Father, today as we come to you, we want to say how much we love you. Father, we really do love you. We love what you do in our lives. We love, Father, that you have changed us. We love, Father, that you are with us every day through the Holy Spirit, and you lead and guide and direct us. Now today, Father, we have come into your house. And we've come here to lift you up and to magnify you. It's not about us, it's about you. So, Father, help us to do that. Thank you already for what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit, we give you the right to do whatever you want to here in this service today. Forgive us of our sins. I pray for those that will give today. I pray, Father, that you will bless those that give. I pray, Father, that those that really want to give but can't right now, I pray, Father, that you'll make a way for them so that they can give back to you. Father, help us as we come into your presence. In your precious name we pray these things. In the name of Jesus, amen.
couple of more people that um, have read their Bible through, and they were sick the last time that we gave out our certificates for reading your Bible through. And so I'm going to call on them today to come up, and you can see who they are. Uh, the first one is uh, Stacy Gillen. Would you come on up? And then there is Alfred Whitson. Where's he at? You better come up here. God bless you, sis. Thank you for reading the Bible. Thank you, brother, for reading the Bible. For I love you. You want to get a picture? Anybody getting a picture right here? Get it. Do you get it? Got it. Go. day to be in church, be with all our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to sing a song this morning about, I'm going to ask a question, you give me the answer to the question. What's the most beautiful name you know? Jesus. What's the most wonderful name you know? Jesus. What's the most powerful name you know? Jesus. That's what we're going to sing about this morning. What a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. with 
Let's sing that last chorus again. What a powerful name. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. If you have your Bibles today, turn to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, and we are going to look there at chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We want to welcome all of those of you that are watching us today. God bless you. Thanks for being part of our service today. And we want to say to you, if you get well, get better, and would like to come to our church, we would welcome you. And we thank you for watching us. God bless you. Well, let's all stand today as we read out of God's Word. Exchanging the infinite for the finite. Exchanging the infinite for the finite. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Let's thank the Lord for the reading of his word. Father, thank you for your precious word. Your word sets us free. And today, Father, I pray that you will set people free. Thank you for what you're going to do for us this morning. In the preaching and teaching of your word, in your precious sweet name we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Tell somebody you love them before you sit down there. Aren't you glad we serve a powerful name, the name of Jesus? You know, we were sharing in Sunday school this morning the foundation that we need to build our life upon. And that's how powerful the foundation that his name is. If you build your life upon the name of Jesus and the word that he has given us through God's Bible, there's not much that, you, that can defeat you. And as uh, Brother Jeff shared this morning, it doesn't mean that life's not going to happen. But it means that we have a power and a hope to sustain us through those times. And I was sharing this morning, my wife and I went and saw the movie Jesus Revolution. Has anybody saw it yet? If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. It's really good. But there was one line that stood out to me that God spoke to me. And I won't share the context of what all was going on. But a gentleman was getting ready to get up and speak. And he felt like that he was kind of inadequate at the moment. 
and shouldn't be doing that. And his wife looks at him and says, do not let your arrogance tell you that God cannot use your failures. And that struck me in the oddest way. And I began to look back over the times of my life of how God has been so good to me. And there have been times that I've been disobedient that if he asked me to do something, and I've been scared because I'm afraid of failure. But God is so powerful that not only can he use my talents and the abilities that I'm good at, but he can use the things that I'm not so good at, that I'm possibly going to fail in. But because God has told me to do it, God is powerful enough to claim victory over my failures as well. So think of that this morning as you reminisce as I sing this song that simply says, God's been good.
How many can say this morning that God has been good in your life? He's a good God. He loves you. He cares about you. You know, this morning as I was preparing for this message through the week, I thought about, you know, the things that maybe God would have me to bring to you today. And I thought about people. You know, there are people, there are Christians who have been given such a wonderful gift in life. And that gift is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people go out every day believing they know what is important and valuable in life. And through the course of our life, the world will come to us and they will say things well, like, well, you have one little God, but wouldn't you like to have what we have to offer? We can offer you a lot of things. You see, they try to put God in categories and make him smaller and make us think that he's smaller. The things that the world offers sometimes is not all bad. Or simple. It never has been that way by definition. But you and I have a difficulty knowing the worth and value of what has been offered to us and what the Father has already given to us. Sometimes we come to church and it's all about us and it's not about giving back to Him. And that's where I came up with the title today, Exchanging the Infinite for the Finite. You see, there's many people that you may know, many people that come to church every Sunday that have traded glory for garbage. They have bartered away an eternal spiritual inheritance for a few trinkets that won't even last a lifetime. Today I want us to turn our attention and listen to a verse that I just read just a moment ago. That is in the book of Jonah, because it's just two verses. Well, really, verse 8 is what we're going to 
take our background on today, and we're going to look at things that people take up with instead of their relationship with Christ. I want to give an illustration out of the book of Jonah, just give you a history of Jonah, and, and it'll be very short. Jonah was a prophet. The Bible says that he was an Israelite, and God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. All of us know that. Nineveh, of course, was an Assyrian city. God wanted him to go there and preach the word to them. Now, get this story because here's a prophet, an Israelite, that is asked to go to another nation to preach the gospel. Now, they had done nothing but prophesied against this nation and the other cities that were godless. So, to narrow it down, I want you to understand that Jonah hated the Ninevites. He hated them with a passion. He hated them more than anything. And the last thing that he wanted to do was to go and preach the gospel to these Ninevites. We all know from the Bible that they were very cruel people. They were very dishonest people. They were sworn enemies of the Israelites. But Jonah was kind of a self-righteous Israelite. He was a supremist. He did, he did not want to preach the gospel. He did not want to share with them what God had given to the Israelites. But can I tell you something today? Sometimes God calls us as Christians to the difficult things of life. As Brother Jimmy was saying today, Sometimes he calls us to things that we know before. If God's not in it, we will fail at it. But if God's in it, you will never fail. You will always be what God wants you to be. So when God calls us to a difficult and unpleasant task, and when he called Jonah to this difficult and unpleasant task, he headed the opposite direction. Some of you today are sitting here in this church, and you are heading in the opposite direction of what Christ wants your life to be. You're not where he wants you to be. That's where Jonah was. He did not. He did not, and I repeat that, want salvation to come to those who were not Jews. So Jonah boarded a ship. The Bible says that he headed the very opposite direction. He headed towards Tarshish. Then the Bible says a mighty storm hit that little boat that they were on. And the Bible says that the crew panicked. And of course, if we'd have been on that ship, we would have panicked also. They panicked. They started praying to their gods. Not the God, but their gods. And the whole time all this was taking place, Jonah was sleeping. He didn't care what happened. But the crew figured out that Jonah that was on the boat, was the problem. And by the way, folks, one of these days, you'll figure out you're the problem, not God. And so what do they do? Well, they say, why don't you pray to your God? So he prays, and what happens is they pick him up and throw him over the, in the, over the ship into the water, and we know a great fish, a whale, as we like to say, swallowed him. 
And while Jonah was in the belly of that fish, he begins to pray. He begins to beg God. Don't make God put you in a place to where you have to beg God to take you out of that place. And that's exactly where Jonah was. He was in a smelly fish. I can't imagine what was in the stomach of that fish. I can't imagine how bad it smelled in there. But he was in the belly of that fish. The Bible tells us that. How many believe that today? Say amen. Amen. So the whale swallowed him. He begins to pray. And what point we look at today is that eventually he begins to ask God to forgive him. Now, I'm not sure his heart was right when he came out. Because he didn't respond well when he got out. But nonetheless, he did pray. And his prayer makes these statements. In Jonah 2, verse 8, it says that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, I want to break that down to plain language. Everybody ready? Here's what it really says. Those who worship worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. There's a lot of people, even folks that come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, that are not all that God wants them to be. They have put in place in their life other things that has taken the place of God. Now, I know it's awful quiet in here today, but that's the truth. So I asked you this morning, what have you put in the place of God in your life? Because, folks, it happens all the time. Verse 9 says, here's, here's kind of what he prays, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. But we all know that when he went to Nineveh, he, he kind of changed his mind. That he was not all that he should have been. So in verse 8, there's two things that become clear concerning those who spend their lives in service and worship and things that are not truly of God. First of all, the first thing that happens when we put our lives in things that are not truly of God, failure on the part of the substitute God will always happen. There will always be failure in your life when you put something else in the place of God. Those idols and false gods and images and imaginations of men. All of those things that receive your worship and your service and your energy and your thought are futile. They'll never work. It'll never bring you anything, whatever you have put in your life into, except God. God is the only one that will bring something in your life. Nothing else will. Everything else is futile. They are incapable of giving anything in return. They can't. They're just idols. They're just uh, things of, of no value. They can't do anything to your life. You say, oh, but they bring joy to me right now. But they'll fail. They'll fail. They'll be destroyed. They won't last. Only thing that lasts in our life is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that lasts. So, failure on the part of the substitute God. 
The second thing is, and we're going to stay here for this morning, forfeiture on the part of the people. Now, when you think about sin, we struggle with idolatry. And idolatry is generally not high on that list, but in truth, all sin is a form of idolatry. If there's sin in your life today, it's a form of idolatry. It's a worship disorder. Some of you came to church today and some of you are listening today with a worship disorder. And you say, what do you mean by that, a worship disorder? I I want to spend just a few moments looking at some definitions and descriptions of idolatry in the Bible. And what it might look like in your life. You're sitting here today and you're saying, where's he going with this? Well, if you'll listen, we'll get there. And I'm sure that you'll fall into one category. You see, in Jonah's day, idolatry was tied to false religion. You know, it was tied to an a, uh, idol up on the mantle or in the home, in the family, on the shelf. It was tied to that. But it has been said today, our idols are more in self than they are on the shelf. So our idols this morning are in us. What we put before God. What we lay out there before God. You see, you were created to worship today. All of us were. We were created to worship. That's the way God made us. To worship Him. So if we don't worship Him, it's going to come out somewhere else. It is our nature to worship. It's our nature to serve something or someone. We all worship. The question is, what do we worship? Or who do we worship? You see, every person in the sound of my voice today is serving a God of some kind in their lives. Usually, if you don't watch it, it's a God of your own making. You may ask, how can I tell what or who my God really is? Maybe that's your question today. Preacher, how can I tell, uh, you know, who my God really is? Well, our God is what consumes our thoughts. So I asked you this morning, what is consuming your thoughts? Be honest. Uh, That's between you and God. But be honest this morning. What is consuming your thoughts? What are you thinking about today that consumes every part of your life? Every person is transformed into an image of his own God. Sin is primarily idolatry. It is not only doing bad things, listen to me, it's not only doing bad things, it's more fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. You can make a good thing into your ultimate thing, into the thing that you worship the most, the thing that you look for the most. In life. You see where I'm going this morning. You see, sin is building your life and meaning on anything, even a very good thing, more than of God. So whatever you build our lives on will drive us to enslave us. First of all, the first one. If you center your life and identity on your spouse... You will be emotionally dependent, jealous, and controlling. Did everybody hear that? 
If you center your life and identity on your spouse, you will be emotionally dependent, jealous, and controlling. You see, the other person's problem and thoughts of you will be all that's on your mind. They will overwhelm you. You will think about it all the time. You will push Jesus out. You will push God out. And that will become your God if you don't watch it. And a lot of people, and I want to say that again, a lot of people are there this morning. Someone in their family, their husband or wife, has taken that place of satisfying their soul. And I want you to know, we can only disappoint people. We can't make anybody happy forever. Only God can. The second one is, if you center your life and identity on your family and children. Now, don't go there, preacher. Don't be talking about that. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Because it's the truth. You will try to live your life through your children until they resent you. Is everybody listening to me today? If you focus and center your life and identity on your family and children, you will try to live your life through your children until they resent you or have no self of their own. They'll live through you or try to live through you to make you happy. Thirdly, if you center your life and identity on your work and career, oh, now here we go. On your work and career. You will be a driven workaholic. I'm going to say that again. If you center your life and identity on your work and career, you will be a driven workaholic and a boring and shallow person. At worst, you will lose your family and friends. If you do nothing but work all the time and never pay attention to your family and your friends and people around you, listen, you're going to be a lonely, lonely, lonely person. And you put that God before the God. You say, but preacher, you just don't understand how much pressure people put on you. How much pressure they put on you to perform. And how much pressure they put on you to be there. How much pressure they put on you to put your whole life into this. Listen, folks, let me tell you something. You chose that life. You chose that life. You're just going to have to say God comes first. You know, it's hard for us to stand up and say, no, God comes first. We live in a society today that God is not just first, but He's not second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. He's not even tenth in our lives. Everything else comes before God. God says when you put anything before Him, it's an idol. I'm going to say that again. God says if you put anything before Him, it's an idol. He's a jealous God. How many understand that? Say amen. He's a jealous God. He's a God that wants to be first in your life. But folks, we have gotten away from that, and He's not even tenth anymore. If you center your life on identity and pleasure, pleasure and gratification and comfort, you will find yourself getting addicted to something. You want to know why we have so many uh, drug addictions in our society today because people have isolated themselves and they feel lonely and they try to identify with drugs. 
It gets them out of the hurt and the pain for a little while. And folks, it becomes a God to them. People spend thousands and thousands of dollars every week on drugs and alcohol to get rid of the pain that if they would give that pain to God, He would take care of it. He would help them. How many believe that today? He would help them. He will help you if you'll give that pain to Him. He said He would. And I believe Him, don't you? If you give that pain to Him. And when we do these things, when we identify with these pleasures and gratification, we become chained and there's no escape strategies by which we seek to avoid what we've got our lives into. And I'm here to tell you, the only strategy this morning is come to God. Fifth, if you center your life and identity on money and possessions... I'm going to say that again. If you identify your life with money and possessions, you will be eaten up by worry, jealousy, all of this about money. I mean, just watch the trial that's been on TV all week. You'll find out what money can do to you. We see it every day. We see people sell their soul for money. And folks, there's people in church houses all over America today that their whole thinking process is not about God, but their whole thinking process is about money and possessions. You say, preacher, you're preaching to the choir. I know all this. Well, listen, maybe you're one of them. Maybe God is speaking to you today. Maybe God knew you would be here today, and He wants you to hear this sermon. That you put money and possessions above Him and in place of Him. You see, when we seek money and possessions and it becomes our identity, listen, we'll do unethical things to maintain our lifestyles. And that will eventually destroy your life. How many agree with that? Say amen. Now listen. If you center your life and identity on religion and morality, you will if you are living up to your moral standards. You see, you've set your life on being moral. You will, if you live up to your moral standards, become a proud person. We all know what God says about pride. There's so many people that have put their life and they're so proud that they can't get down to the level that God wants them to to be on their knees before Him. A proud person will never get on their knees before Him. And today we have so many people that are just so proud. Their life is built around pride. It could come through money, your jobs, your wealth. whatever it might be, and you just become proud about it. And pride will never get down on their knees before a holy God. And I'm here to tell you, church houses are full of people that have pride in their lives. And we need to be on our knees before a holy God. We have talked about all these revivals that have been around Uh, You know, in Kentucky and in Tennessee and different places that have been around. And we've talked about how it started. You know how it started? It started with people 
that are getting rid of their pride and falling before a holy God and asking God to forgive them of their dirtiness, of their wickedness. Oh, preacher, I'm not dirty. I'm not wicked. I'm not sinful. You see, that's pride. Because the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So today we need to fall on our face before God. If you center your identity on religion and morality, you'll never live up to your moral standards. And if you don't live up to your moral standards, your guilt will be utterly devastating to you. I mean, you'll come to church and you'll think to yourself, I, I, I've not done anything right. I, I've just never, you know, I, I'm just this and just that. I don't know if I'm even saved. Uh, have you ever had somebody come to you and say, I don't know if I'm saved. I mean, I, I just don't know if I'm saved. Well, maybe they're having an identity crisis in their life because they put something before God. We have church houses full of people like that. What have you put before God today? Is it your career? Is it your children? Is it your husband? Your wife? Is it your family and friends? What have you put before God? You say, well, preacher, can't I love my spouse and adore her or him? Can't I be proud of my children and take pleasure in them? Shouldn't I work hard and enjoy the vocation I find myself in? Preacher, what's wrong with a little pleasure and fun and relaxation and comfort? Preacher, why shouldn't I enjoy fishing and sports and camping? Money is not morally bad, preacher. It's neutral. So why shouldn't I earn it, spend it, and use it? Preacher, what's wrong with pursuing morality and religion? I have no desire to have unethical and immoral things in my life. Preacher, what's wrong with that? I know you're asking that. The answer is, nothing's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with them. Those things in and of themselves have no competition with God. So what is it, preacher? Well, I want you to know those things I just read off have no threat to God. Those things have been given to us by God. God gave us those things. He placed them in our life for us to enjoy. He, he placed them in our lives for us to compete and, and, and create and build and work and live. He placed all of that inside of us. So what's wrong with it, preacher? Oh, God just wants us to be unhappy. I've had people tell me that before. Well, preacher, if God doesn't want us to, God just wants us to be unhappy. I, I just don't want to be unhappy. No, God not really caring so much about you being unhappy as He is about you being holy. We don't preach much on holiness anymore. Live, like, like, live life like we want to live, you know. We're just going to live like we want to live, preacher. No, if you're a Christian, you can't live that way because God said, no, you can't live that way. God wants you this morning to live holy. And listen to me, if you put, in, if you put anything in place of God, if anything has taken the place of God, how in the world can you live holy? If you put anything, I'm going to say that again, in the place of God in your life, how can you live holy? There's no way of doing it. 
You see, God doesn't want you to be unhappy. Happy. He wants you to be holy. God wants you to be happy today. God wants you to be happy. And there's nothing inherently wrong with these things that I've read off there. The problem is not these things, but us. The problem is you. And the problem is me. We're the problem this morning. All those things, all those things are gifts of God. Marriage is a gift of God. How many understand that? Jobs are a gift of God. If you've got a good job, if you've got a job, it's a gift from God. He gave you that. He didn't want you to make that thing over Him. He didn't want you to take... Let me tell you something. Children are a gift of God. God gave you children because He loves you. And He wants you to raise those children to love Him. They're a gift of God. Don't put your children in the place of God. And a lot of people have. A lot of grandparents have put <coughs> their grandkids in the place of God. Those things are good. How many would say amen right there? But they're bad when we put them in place of God in our lives. And so many churchgoers, so many people have done that. Wives and husbands and girlfriends and boyfriends, we have put them in the place of God. They drive our lives instead of God driving our lives. God placed those desires in us. But He gave us a proper way to express and fulfill and indulge on these desires. He knows what He's doing. And He done that, with, that we can do that without sinning. He gives us a way out. The Bible says He will always make a way of escape. How many understand that today? How many of you know that when we're doing something wrong, the Holy Spirit lets us know we're doing something wrong? And maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit is just, I mean, He's just touching your heart. He's cutting your heart because you know that you put these things in the place of God. Some things. I'm not saying all of them, but some things. You see, the sin comes, the idolatry appears when we have a great desire for things in place of God. Things. You see, when we exalt and give glory and honor in a disproportionate amount of our time and effort goes to other things, listen to me, folks then we're resisting what God has for us. But when we desire what God gives more than we desire God, listen, a key is found in this verse, and I'm going to quit right here. Everybody stay with me just a moment. When we desire what God gives, and we desire it more than evermore, a key is found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Here's the key. Listen. I know we read this verse all the time for revival. We read this verse all the time for our prayer life. We read it. We read it. But here's what God desires out of you. Listen. Everybody listen and say amen. amen. If my people... Are you His people today? If you're His people, say amen. amen. If you're saved, say amen. amen. Well, listen to what He says here. Don't worry about that piece of paper. Here's what He says. 
If my people, that's you, which are called by my name, here it is, takes that pride out. What's in place of God in your life? What needs to be replaced? What, 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 what is in there that has taken the place of God in your life? He says, if my people, what does it say there? you got to say it louder than that. Which are called by my name shall what? First thing is humble ourselves. How do I do that, preacher? How do I humble? Now, you've got to catch up here. I mean, when I tell you to say something, you know, you've got to really catch up. All right? <laughs> shall humble themselves. Humble themselves. I'm going to say that again. Humble themselves. Humble yourselves. That means that everything in your life, everything in your life, children, husbands, money, jobs, cars, deals, takes second place. And pride goes out. And humbleness comes in. And you fall down before God. And you humble yourselves before God. Humble. Boy, what a word. Then he says, when we humble ourselves, we start praying. If you had, if God would answer any prayer that you had right now, I mean, you just come and you had a prayer. I mean, maybe it's a wayward son or daughter or, or I don't know, maybe you need a job. I don't know what it is. But if God, what would you pray this morning? Are you listening? What would you pray? Because we know He hears us, amen? His people. He hears us. But pride has to go out. We need to humble ourselves this morning. Pride has to go out. Then He says, pray. What would you pray for this morning? I'm here to tell you, now listen to me, that all of us in this church have some prayer that we pray to God a lot. Amen? And you know right now what you would pray, right? And pray. And then what does he say? Seek my face. You see, folks, listen to me. That's not just talking about just a little old prayer. That's talking about you are so humble before him that you seek his face. You seek his glory. You seek his wisdom. You seek his knowledge. You turn everything over to him. You're seeking him for your life. Is everybody with me? You get out of the things that you think are best for you. You get out of the things that you think are going to make you most happy. You get out of that when you're praying right here. When you're humbling yourself and you're praying and you're seeking his face. You're before him and you're saying, God, I want what you want for my life. Lord, I've not done what I'm supposed to do. I put this before you. I put that before you. Lord, I've done this. I, I've let my relationship go downhill because I've, I, I put things before you. I'm seeking you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, please help me. That's what we're seeking. We're not seeking our deal. We're seeking His deal. I want to see you. 
How long has it been in your life since you really wanted to feel, you wanted to see what God can do in your life? It's not about you. It's about God. He says, turn. Read that with me. From what? You wicked ways. What a humble prayer. You know what, folks? We are never, ever, ever, never going to be what God wants us to be until we get those other gods out of the way. Now, I'm not telling you to go to your work tomorrow and quit. I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you to get rid of your husband and wife. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you have to put that in its place. The money. The outside things that you put before God. Put it in its place. I'm saying this morning, look at me. I'm quitting right now. Look at me. Put God first. God's first. Nothing else. God is first. You know, to be honest with you, and I'm not being mean this morning, but probably... Everybody that's watching, everybody in the church should be here and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to say that again. I mean, everybody that's watching today, get down beside your bed or wherever you're at, beside your chair, and ask God to forgive you. It's it's okay. Humble yourselves. Seeking. Because He'll hear you from heaven. And He'll answer our prayers. But it's taken us Coming to Him. He's already come to you through the Holy Spirit. Through conviction. Now it's time for you to come to Him. And get on our face before Him today. And saying, Lord, I'm sorry for putting this before you. I'm sorry for putting this before you, Father. I'm sorry for putting this before you. I wonder who will come today. You're not by yourself. Come on. Come on. Lord, I'm sorry for putting this before you. I'm sorry, Father. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me, Father. I don't want to put things before you. Please forgive me, Father. Please forgive me, Father. Please forgive me. Please forgive me, Father, please. Please forgive me, Father.